Hey ladies, it's your favorite dating coach here. Do these titles sound familiar at all? Uh, what to do until love finds you. Secrets of an irresistible woman. What are the three biggest mistakes women make in relationships? <laughs> hey, what's up ladies? So today I'm gonna show you guys 10 ways to make a guy weak for you. So how do you become a high value woman that men will never want to leave? Coming up, a year and a half ago, she said she was fat, broke, and miserable. Now she's happier than ever. How'd she do it? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Land Your Man. This week, we have a special guest in our studio, which is my bedroom, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Many special guests grace this studio. Okay. <laughs> that is true. So this week, I have... For your delight, my dear friend, who is also one of the most amazing coaches that I've Aww. ever worked with, mm -hmm. um, Jerry Berkey. How do you, how, so is it JD? What, what is your name? I've known you for some 10 years and I don't Jerry, know your name. Jerry Berkey is fine. Jerry <laughs> okay, fine. good. I do I know used, your name. Yay. I have, like, like many superheroes, I have a, a gnome de plume, an alter ego, if you will, and I have used... J.D. Burke as my stage and pen name, but you may refer to me by, by my given name, which is Jerry Berkey. Okay. My given name for you is Jer Bear, but that's probably Jer too Bear. intimate. That's too intimate for this setting. Well, so, intimacy is what this show is all about, right? That is what it's about, <laughs> or at least it's trying to be. <laughs> we don't so, it too bad. No, you won't. It's going to be great. Jerry, <laughs> tell us about what it is that you do. I would try to explain it, but I feel like you might be a little bit more nuanced than anything that I might say. Tell the listeners what it is that you do. Sure. So I am a rapid transformation coach. What that means is I help people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I help people identify and solve problems that are between them and what they want. And I specifically help people, I, I see people for many different reasons and many life issues, but the two areas of life I do the most work in are health and relationships. Oh, snap. Those are, <laughs> those are specialties <laughs> and areas that I really enjoy working and have a personal passion for. They're also the two areas where I have had transformations in my own life. That's not coincidental. <laughs> yeah, so right. Have, yeah. So I have a great passion for those areas of my life, and I love finding and applying unique leverage to help people achieve the lives they want in those areas, especially. And you do. And, and you do. Sure uh, we will we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you closer to the end of the podcast so that they listen to the whole thing, because I don't sure. want to give away too much now. <laughs> you don't get but, the prize uh, at the beginning of a Happy Meal. You get it at the end of the Happy Meal. That's right. <laughs> so I started uh, coming to see you about, well, February of 2008. Was it 18 or 19? 18. 18. No, 19? 18. 18. Yeah. February 2018. And I worked with you for a good year and then a little bit into 2019 for sure. You helped me with a ton of stuff and Aww. getting motivated 
even to do this podcast, I think was was part of my healing, was part of sort of yeah. trying to figure all this stuff out because like we say in our kind of tagline, you know, we're late bloomers. And to me, that means, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I've only had one long-term relationship, real long-term relationship in my life. And, yeah. and I just wonder why I see other people in relationships and, Maybe they're happy, maybe they're not, but I see it happening pretty regularly yeah. for a lot of people and it just hasn't for me. So yeah, that was one of the reasons why I came to see you was to kind of delve into the whys. And I think something that we worked on a lot was me getting to a place where I was okay with me, just yeah. me, whether that meant being yeah. in a relationship or not. And you yeah. really helped me with that. And you also really helped me with taking my expectations off of another person to make me happy. Mm, because yeah. uh, I Two think that's ones. something, yeah, that's something that a lot of people just do. They think that a relationship's going to kind of swoop in and it's going to fill all the holes and then you're going to be complete. <laughs> complete. <laughs> and yes, the relationship yeah. will be the thing that finally fixes me. Yeah. Right. You yeah. complete me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know how I feel about that. <laughs> I know. I know you do. And so I just really, I love the work because I think for me, it took me a long time to get to a place, but I, I really believe I'm finally in a place where I'm, I feel good about my prospects. I feel good about how I approach uh, meeting men and trying to date men yeah. more. I think I have more comfort at it. You know, there's a comfort level that wasn't there before mm -hmm. because I'm taking expectations off that I had put on these things for years. So yeah. being in therapy with you paired, do you call it therapy? What do you call it? Do you call it therapy? Cause I know it's like, I, I don't, it is, it is deeply therapeutic to be sure. Yes. But I like to distinguish it from traditional talk therapy approaches because as you know, it's not just talking. It's not just talking about what is wrong because I have the knowing, not just for clients, but for my, myself and my own journey of self-healing, talking about what's wrong does not fix it. <laughs> that right. is not sufficient leverage. So no, I do you call have to it, do the actions. I call it, yes. Yeah. You have to do what <laughs> I call, and this is what I call it. I call it the work, the work of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you start doing that work and it takes you know, it takes an extraordinary person to really do this because it's not comfortable. It's not easy. No, to it's look horrible. At yourself. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, it's horrible. Well, it's like an excavation is, of, is... of your soul. <laughs> and it can be, it can be, you know, it can be challenging. It can be scary. Uh, sure. Resistance comes horrible. up. Because... <laughs> or horrible. Is, is this a nice. You're like, that's a great way for me to market myself. <laughs> come and have a horrible let me expose you no. to the horror yeah <laughs> let me guide you through no. the horror of your own soul <laughs> no i just are you sold yet that. dear listener <laughs> i mean that in the nicest way because it is horrible but it's worth it because it's necessary you have to get yeah. ugly to get to the place that you need to be to be able to be vulnerable with another person unfortunately right. so right you have to fertilize so the soil before you can ex experience the beauty of the bloom 
Yeah, right? exactly. You have to get into the dirt a little bit first. Because that dirt that is going to grow the beautiful flower that is your relationship, that dirt is you and your partner. I know. So you have to work that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You have to get it ready. Yeah. You know? I love what you said too about, you know, the things that made the difference for you in our work were looking at yourself and realizing that you had expectations you were putting on the partner because there are very few problems that arise solely in and because of a relationship. Mm-hmm. The people in a relationship of any kind doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you're a monogamous merit, any kind of intimate connection. The problems that arise in that context, we bring into it. <laughs> right. You and your partner or partners will bring those into the interaction called relationship. And we sometimes have this notion that, oh, that context is going to change me or change the other person into somebody that we're not and everything's going to be great. Right. And that's that's simply not true. What it, what it ends up doing is it ends up holding a mirror up for us so that we can look at ourselves. Many people are not strong enough to survive that process. And then they just go into another relationship hoping this will be the one. And then another relationship, maybe this is the right person. And the whole time what's eluding us and what's available for us if we're ready is I'm not yet the right person. Yeah. Maybe it's me that has some growth and healing to do. And when you take on that level of responsibility, which is what this work is about, real love and real relationship and intimacy and sex and all the amazing, wonderful things that are available to us become possible when they weren't before. Absolutely. And also really defining what it is that you want. Yeah. You can talk all day long about, I want to be in a relationship. (laughs) I want to be, I want a partner. I want a boyfriend. I want a husband. I want, if you don't know what that means to you. I want, I want, I want. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I still don't have it and I'm, you know, totally open and honest about that. But, you know, this show is more about exploring the whys. And I just feel like for me, getting to a place where you're okay with whatever outcome is a place where you can start to really define those things that you want Mm -hmm. to have in your life. Mm -hmm. And then you start to attract that energy because I've found that to be true. And something else that I just wanted to point out is that your strategy typically with patients is what, so I interviewed uh, Dr. Jen, Jennifer Gonzalez last week, and you guys kind of have the same approach. She's really adamant about, she doesn't want people to come see her for a year. She wants you to heal. So, you know, she wants it to be a process of you come in, you do the work, you do all the work and, and then you're responsible for sort of the outcome. And then, you know, coming back for maintenance and things like that and check-ins, which we've done, but, but that you're really able to kind of pick up the ball and run with it and not, you know, continue to stay in that place. And I mean, it's different for everybody. Some people I think do need ongoing, you know, some sort of ongoing therapy or coaching or whatever it may be. If, if you have the means and you can afford that, great. But your approach is really, I want to give you the tools to, to move out of this and into what it is that you're, you know, where you're trying to be. So I really appreciated that too. Cause you know, I found myself going into, the therapy situation after I lost my mother and feeling like it wasn't, th- those weren't places where they were trying to help me 
do better per se. They just, I was just sitting there talking and they were listening and I wasn't getting much, much out of it, frankly. Right. Right. That's what a lot of therapy boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but there are alternatives out there and I want our listeners to know about those because again, all the books that I've read, they give you all these tools and some of them work and some of them don't. But if you don't use them at all, they're definitely not going to work. So you can go to therapy for the rest of your life. But if you're not doing the actions and changing the way that you see the world, the way you react, the way you respond, all of that stuff, you can read every book there is and see every therapist on the map and it's not going to help. So that's why I really, yeah, yeah. that's why I really love working with you because I know that that's your goal. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it's absolutely my philosophy of practice that I want clients to walk away with a, a powerful experience and a positive experience, but more even than that is a durable skill set that right. you can then take into your life and continue to use for the rest of your life. And maybe not just in relationship, but maybe in other areas so that you have tools, you have resources you can turn to. And if you run the tools and you use the resources and you still feel stuck, you can come back and see me. Or you can right. pick up another resource, but that you feel empowered to take on the business of the work for yourself and that you have things of lasting value instead of just a good listener. And there's wonderful value in a good listener, but I have never found that to be transformative for myself and none of my clients have that experience either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously the um, aim of our podcast is that we review these relationship books. And I know mm-hmm. that you you use a lot of books. So what are some of your favorite books that people should use when approaching their relationships and working on them? You know, say, say somebody can't afford therapy or somebody doesn't have the time right. for therapy. What are the right. books that are you feel like are the go-tos? And it doesn't have to be even relationship books, because I feel like a lot of the books that I've read that even aren't relationship books help me become a better person. And, you know, then hope, then hopefully I'll be a better person in a relationship too. (laughs) That's a great point. And and in fact, the, the perennial resources that I most often uh, invite clients to take on for themselves are sort of universal. Certainly they have an application in relationship and intimacy And also, anything that's applicable there is going to be applicable in other areas of life as well, or much of it will be. So there's a, you know, in the theme of recognizing that who we are in a relationship is a function of who we are out of relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, One of the books that, that I love for clients to read, which is just a durable tool for you to have in your stress reduction and uh, anxiety reduction and limiting belief busting toolkit is loving what is by byron katie Mm -hmm. it is a it's a book about a very simple process that helps us undo stressful thoughts very quickly and very easily and i find that to be a universal skill set that translates well into relationship because relationship is where a lot of our stuff will come up that's where we're right. going to see it. <laughs> That's what's right. wonderful about it. It's not challenged and what's when we're alone. <laughs> right. Right. It's not because, like when you know, I'm laying in bed with my cats at night that I'm. <laughs> right. Right. And the cat is <laughs> that lo- I'm digging. The cats are lovely. 
Right. But the cat, the reason we love the cats is they don't challenge us in the way that our boyfriend does or our sexual partner, or our husband or spouse does. And those challenges well, make relationship unique. <laughs> I mean, Hey, whatever, what you do with peanut butter is totally up to you on a Saturday night. But I'm just saying that, you know, we sometimes, <laughs> we, we sometimes want to work that soil a little bit first before we get into relationship or even while in relationship and loving what is by Byron Katie is a great tool for you to have that can just help you undo some stressful thoughts that we might not investigate otherwise. So that's yeah. a, that's one that I love. There's that's another one in that me. vein. Yeah. <clears throat> I really like it because there's, there's actually something you can do. You don't just read the book and go, Oh, that was interesting. You right. actually can pick up the, the process, which is very simple, and have it for the rest of your life, which is why I love it. And, and I, by the way, I credit this book with being one of the few core teachings that saved my life and has saved other people's lives. So I think it's very powerful and valuable. And it can be yours for only $14.95 on audible.com <laughs> or with an Amazon Prime membership. Um, and then there's another book in that in that same vein of sort of a universal... Uh, con, you know, has a universal usage. It's called Why Do I Do That? by Joseph Burgo. And it's okay. an exploration of psychological defense mechanisms that sort of help us understand why we might react in certain ways, why we might avoid certain experiences, and why we might overindulge in others in a more general way. But certainly, again, it's going to be, you know, relationship is going to bring our stuff up. And sometimes we don't even know that we have a defense mechanism running us until we get into a relationship or our partner does or doesn't do something. And then, bam, we're not even thinking anymore. Right. We're, we're being automatic. We're reacting. And then we want to know why the relationship is suffering. Oh, that guy's a jerk. Oh, she's just an asshole. It's, and that's not really what it's about. It's actually about I haven't done all the investigating of my own stuff that I could. And maybe I could have some more clarity about why I react in these ways and why I become automatic. Yeah. So it's actually it? called, why do I do that? Is that why do I do that? Why do I do <laughs> exactly. that? Why in the no, H double great. hockey sticks do I do that? <laughs> yeah. And you know, because one of the, one of the biggest threats to relate to healthy relationships is being automatic, letting yourself mm -hmm. go on autopilot. When you and your partner go on autopilot and you're not being intentional and you're not creating intimacy and you're not creating kindness and you're not creating connection and trust and rapport and you're expecting it to happen automatically because of momentum, that's where relationships get into trouble if they ever even get off the ground. So right. it's good to have, you know, some... That's a big if. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to have some things available to us that can help us do some exploration and help us be more intentional. And I'm all about being intentional in relationship. Yeah, definitely. Because well, I think that's we, the we best sort of, kind of relationship. Absolutely, because we is, we sometimes yeah. will get into a mindset where our relationship is happening to us, or it's happening at us, and right. we sort of can approach it from that frame of like, oh, it's not a creation that I'm co-creating with somebody. It's happening to me, and I have no power, and I have no mm -hmm. influence over it. So bringing mindfulness and intentionality to your relationship is essential. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, yeah. you know, that's the whole book that Dr. Jen wrote is from madness to mindfulness. Yeah. And so it's, it is exactly. very much about that 
you know, that state of being, of being mindful and knowing what is your shit and what is not your shit. And I felt I've caught myself a lot in the last couple of people that I've dated stopping and saying, oh, that's my shit. Uh, I'm not going to put that on you because that's my shit. But it's still hard because it's like, even though it's your shit, (laughs) once it (laughs) sort of comes to the surface, it's like, there's still a dead body on the like it's like it's still there. Yeah. But it's mine to carry, yeah. but I got to figure out how so that I you know, and I think too a good partner and and this is, you know, my fantasy of a good partner is that they're going to recognize that, but then they're going to be willing to kind of weed through it with you. Um yeah. as long as you're doing yeah. the work too. But they're going to be interested and helping you figure it out because they want to be available in that way. And because they're figuring out their own stuff too. And they're not thinking that you're supposed to be perfect in any way. Um, right. Cause I see like the people that I know that are the best kinds of relationships. It is like a constant, like you're working through your own stuff. And so it makes the, you know, it makes the relationship stronger. You know, when people are, yeah. I think, fighting and arguing all the time and there's just constant conflict and stuff, that's when no one is saying, oh, that's my <laughs> shit. Nobody's saying that right. in those kinds of... What are they you saying know. instead? They're saying, that's blame, your blame, shit. blame. This You're, is all your yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> blame yeah. shifting and all, yeah, all those things. Yeah. It's blame. And, yeah. And that, that feels powerful in the moment. But the reality is if everything is, every, if is the other person's fault... They have all the power right. and we have none and you yeah, can't really create absolutely. a healthy relationship that, that supports your happiness if you have no power. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, for me, the conception of a, like, what is a, and it's something that I, it took me a while to find as well in my life is I know that what's important to me in a relationship is, and this is just my notion there. I don't think there's a right or wrong notion. It's whatever you want a relationship to be. But for me, I knew that I wanted to have a relationship where I supported my partner in living their life and doing their growth. They support me in doing that. And what does that support mean? It means holding the space, like letting me go through it, letting me be ugly sometimes, letting you know my partner right. be ugly sometimes and having compassion yeah. and also holding me to account because I can be a real shit sometimes and I want somebody yeah. to call me out. Yeah. So that's a kind of a partnership. It's a, it's the, the most wonderful thing is like it's this dynamic partnership where you agree to support each other in living your own life. But you do it together. Yes. You live your own life but together. <laughs> right. And yeah. I find that that works well for me. And um I don't know how my partner feels about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that <works. laughs> well, I think they feel but pretty good about it. They've been with you for how long have you, how long have you guys been together now? Oh gosh. Let's see. This June will be six years. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. As, I love that. as our mutual friend, Sam Ginn likes to point out, we're still engaged. We still haven't gotten married. Uh, we've been engaged <laughs> for, for four years now, but, uh, but no, we're very happy together. And listen, that's not because life hasn't happened. In this last year, I lost three very near and dear family members. I have been a train wreck this year. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. gone through it. And my partner no, has shown up for me. Have. 
Yeah, and I haven't been the perfect mindful Zen coach, master, teacher, healer, whatever. You know, I've been very imperfect and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. And it's a testament to how amazing my partner is. I really don't deserve him, but it's a testament to how amazing he is and the love that we've created together that he's allowed me with compassion to be as bonkers as I've been this year and he still loves me. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But I also think that, you know, he's a compassionate human being and watching yeah. you go through what you've been through and lose three very close family members and have to deal with everything that you've been dealing with. I mean, I, yeah. Again, when you're in a relationship that I think is good and, and that that's what we long for relationship for is to have somebody there who's got your back. Yeah. You know, I think that's again, it's not, oh, you're doing all the work for me. It's you're carrying me when I sometimes can't carry myself because you love me, not because you have to or I'm forcing you or, you know, it's it's just it's a still an autonomous thing but that that person's there for you because they care for you yeah. and i think for you guys have that in space yeah yeah that's 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 kind of you to say it. it's a wonderful observation because as delia says you know a good partner is one that shows up for you for whatever shit show you're throwing in life <laughs> right exactly right whether it's exciting yeah, and, and you're traveling europe or whether it's like another night on the couch watching fraser reruns they're right, there for right. that you know, or you're vomiting after you just had bad vomiting, soup. And you're holding your <laughs> hair. Yeah, which is why I got a buzz cut, so I don't have to worry about my hair getting in the toilet. You know, yeah. You've always had you, such long, lustrous hair until oh, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you never, I, you never did. You said earlier on the show that it's important that you know what you want. And you laid mm -hmm. out very beautifully, this is what I want in a relationship. I want somebody that can carry me sometimes. I want somebody yeah. that will be there for me and that can support me when I can't support myself. And having that level of clarity is absolutely essential. If we don't have that, we're going to get into all kinds of relationships that are never quite right and they don't really satisfy what we're after. And we'll tell the story that it's about the other person, but the fact is we haven't gotten clear yet on what we really want. That's so important. Right. Yeah. And so a couple exercises that you had me do. One thing that I had to do was I had to write down the things that I believed yeah. that <laughs> yeah. were this probably wrong. Or maybe just weren't working yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, you know, think, yeah, just beliefs that I held that were right. clearly my beliefs and not necessarily the truth. So right. I had to write those down. Then I had to write down what I wanted, like what I really was looking for and yeah. what I really wanted because... Prior to that, I had done the list of like, this is the guy that I want. This is, you know, these are the qualities that I want in another person. Right. But I hadn't written down, I want someone who understands that I'm busy, that I'm a strong person, that it's hard for me mm -hmm. to defer to a man. And that <laughs> respects that about me, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. but that allows me to be vulnerable and makes me comfortable to do it. You know, mm -hmm. like that's something that I hadn't thought about before of, of why that was important because I just think some guy's supposed to walk in and know all that about me and be fine with it. But yeah, these are things huge. you have to, yeah, you have to figure these things out over time and not everybody wants to do that work, you know? Yeah. 
and and it's yeah. hard. It's hard to really give yourself over to another person and and try and really figure them out and love them. Something yeah. that something that we had talked about when I was working with you was you asked me one day if I believed that a relationship was something that was like fate and that just happened mm-hmm. or if, and I mean, I think it was less of like a real question than you're doing the work. Clearly you've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're great. doing the work and then you manifest that relationship. Yeah. So for years, yeah. I just believed that a relationship was something that was just going to happen eventually. It's just going right. to happen. They'll just, I'll just this be sitting a matter, there. It's a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. It's fate. It's destiny. And, you know, you, you kind of looked at me like, yeah, no, uh, you have to kind of, <laughs> you know, you have to show up and you have to do all this work. And in order to have the kind of relationship that I want now, you can have a relationship, right? But in order to have something that is really connected and special and something that breaks the trauma, breaks the patterns, break, you know, all of that stuff, you have to do the work and then you have to be, then you have to manifest it and, and, and invite that in, you know, you can't, you cannot just sit there and expect for it to just show up because what shows up might not be what you need or what you want. Exactly. Stuff will show up. Oh, relationships will happen. Yes. (laughs) Relationships will happen to you. That's right. 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 That's right. But, but the relationship of your dreams will not just happen to you. And this is one of the reasons, and you know, people often ask me what, what makes your work different? Here's one of the things that makes it different is that we have a totally distinct mind, an unconscious mind, a deep mind that is the feeling, creative, intuitive mind, and it has its own beliefs. Now, where do those beliefs come from? They're programmed into it. Many of them happen at a young age. What are we watching? What are we being exposed to at a young age? I don't know about you, Carla, but I was being read a lot of fairy <laughs> tales. I was mm-hmm. watching a lot yeah. of Disney movies. and Yeah, Cinderella. You know, family Cinderella and sitcoms on TV. And those things, those structures, this is what our family looks like. This is what love is. This is how love happens. This is how relationships happen. It gets absorbed by our unconscious mind before we're even awake. We're not even awake as young people. We're right. walking around eyes open in a trance and all of that is getting into our unconscious mind. Then we emerge into adulthood and we're waiting for the prince to show up the way he does in Cinderella and he's not. And we're like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And we can't understand why. Exactly. Right? So these are the things that we want to change. We want to shift. And in fact, the, the seminar that I'm at this weekend is all about unconscious belief change. Because if you mm-hmm. consciously want to manifest that relationship and it's not coming, it's probably because unconsciously you either don't believe you deserve it or you don't think it's possible. Yeah. And that's 90% of who we are, that deep mind. And if it's got beliefs down there that are in conflict with the ones that you hold consciously, it ain't happening. Or if it right. does happen, it's going, to be in an, it's going to be in a form that doesn't agree with you, that isn't really what you want. It's going to reflect... The traumatic learnings is what I call them. The traumatic learnings that you've been programmed with. Like, love hurts. 
-hmm. There's nobody or there's nobody out there for me. That's a belief I find in the deep unconscious of people that can't seem to meet somebody or I don't deserve it. I don't deserve love or love is painful. So many people feel that way. And I don't, and I don't think that a lot of people would admit consciously that that's what they think or what they feel. But I think underneath because that's you know that's the excavating excavating that you have to do mm-hmm. you have to start digging and yeah. i think if you start digging you realize that you're the one that believes that not a potential partner you're the one that believes right. you're not worthy you're the one that believes you're not ready you're not open you're not whatever right so you have to start to think differently you have to start to see it in a different way and i'm at the point now where I am almost ready, but I'm not quite ready. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not consciously seeking out a partner. I'm seeking out getting to know men, and I'm, yeah. you know, I, Amen, I am. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! But I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to sort of practice that muscle of not putting all my eggs in yeah. one basket. And I see men do this all the time. And I mm-hmm. always, you know, you feel like, oh, men are dogs and men are, and <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of times they're doing what women should be doing, which is yeah. they're playing the field. They're, they're meeting they're, a bunch they're of have... different people to, to see what they like. Yeah. And they may be setting boundaries like, no, I'm not available for a relationship. I'm just here for the sex or right. I'm just here for the dating. And, right. you know, I hate to say that there's two kinds of people in the world, but in dating, there there certainly is a person who is upfront about what they really want. And maybe it's just mm-hmm. sex. Maybe it's just dating. And there's another person who wants relation. By the way, this person is me who really wants relationship, but tries to hide that. <laughs> right? uh-huh. Yeah. Like, Oh no, I'm Mr. Fun. I'm Mr. You know, casual. No, that's, that's never been me. Right. And that can create problems too. When we're not being honest or we may not actually know what it is we truly want. And we try to hide it from the other person. And then we don't know, you know, we can't figure out why we're not in blissful love. It's like that person never offered that to you. Why am I so attached right. to this person that is not available to me? You know, and there are many yeah. reasons why we do that, but yes, I know. But yeah, because I've done yeah. that plenty of times. <laughs> many, so many of us have. You As know, you thing know, I think is, <laughs> the thing that I think is really great about what you just said is, you know, if you have this unconscious belief that you're not worthy, you are going to attract people who confirm that belief for you because the, Mm -hmm. the unconscious mind, a better way to put it is the automatic mind. And Uh I'll give you a really simple metaphor for this. Like when you were first learning to drive, how, how old were you, Carla, when you first learned to drive? I was 15. 36. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) fifteen. So this was three weeks ago. No, I was 15. Literally. yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you're 15. I was 15 too. And was it a stick shift or an automatic? Automatic. Nice. So I had to learn to drive a stick shift. So there's even oh, more shit. things to keep track of, right? And like, you got to check oh, your yeah. mirrors. You've got to put the key in the right way. You got to have hands at the, what is it? The the 10 and 2 position. You've got to, uh-huh. you know, all the stuff you got to do. You got to check the instruments. You got to monitor your speed with your feet and, you know, hit the gas and hit the brake. 
There's so much happening. You have to think hard about it very consciously in order to be able to drive. Right? It's it's overwhelming right, yeah. when you first learn because it's brand new. No, yeah, it's it's scary. It's so scary. Right. It's like I'm gonna kill somebody or myself <laughs> if I don't do this exactly right. And Especially requires... with my mom, because my mom oh my was God. like, God my mom would it, not Carla. allow me to drive. Yes, <laughs> God damn it. She wouldn't allow me to drive a stick. My mom had her Lebanese maintenance man um, <laughs> teach me how to drive because she would not get in the car with me. That was and, probably a good you call because parents can be difficult <laughs> driving It actually coaches. was. He, he taught me how to be a very defensive driver, but she, yeah, she was yeah. definitely a stickler about driving and she was, yeah. you know, she instilled a lot of fear in me. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that can be part of it too. And, you know, in a very short amount of time, the brain is so, so powerful and fascinating, but in a very short amount of time, you give it a new skill. And at first you have to do it consciously and that's called conscious competence. It means you're competent, mm -hmm. but you have to think fully and consciously about it in order to do it. Same thing with tying yeah. your shoes or any skill, right? When it's new, mm -hmm. you have to think hard about it. But in a very short amount of time, you become unconsciously competent. Like for for example, now in your life, do you think about driving like you did when you were 15? No, no, it just comes no. naturally. You just get in the car and right. go, yeah. You don't even think sure. about it. The unconscious does it for you automatically. That is so amazing. And if you think about it, there are tons of things that you do throughout your day that you are so good at and it, they come so naturally, you don't think about them. That's fantastic. Yeah. It is also troubling when the thing you're doing automatically is communicating in a toxic way with your partner mm -hmm. or would-be partner. Or the thing that you're doing automatically is attracting the wrong kind of partner that isn't a fit right. for what you really want. And we are automatic about those things too. The big things like attracting a partner or how we communicate with them and the little things like how we tie our shoes. And most people mm -hmm. do not take up the work of making the unconscious competent, hauling that out into the light and saying, nope, this is not working for me. I'm going to change it. And that's what's really required to have an intentional relationship. Yeah. And it's not, no, absolutely. It's not always easy. Yeah. It's not always easy. But you know what? With novel approaches, with some of the, the stuff that I'm doing and people in the field, really great therapists doing cutting-edge work, you can do it very rapidly and gently in a way that's non-traumatizing. You can change those deep beliefs. You can discharge the negative emotions. You can heal traumas much, much more f rapidly than we ever thought was possible. So it is hard, but it's much easier now than it ever has been. In human history because we're starting to really understand the way the brain works and there yeah. are novel approaches to helping people change beliefs like the thing i'm learning this weekend uh, heal negative unresolved emotions heal and resolve traumas that affect us and how we function so quickly it doesn't take years of therapy or even months of therapy anymore it can be rapid gentle and somewhat easy too and even fun dare i say if you're a weirdo like me. Well, no, definitely, because I think something happens when you're doing the work. And and by doing the work, I mean, you're really looking at the things that have made you believe and feel the way you feel about uh, men or women or mm -hmm. even your friendships or relationships. You're really yeah. diving into 
Uh, and, and I know like we didn't do a lot of past trauma work, but of course it came up and we talked about it. But for me, it was like having moments where I would just click. It would just click of, oh, that's why I do that. And yeah. a lot of people don't yeah. take the time to sit and remember, uh, so, you know, an instance in their life that affected mm -hmm. the rest of their life, how they do something mm -hmm. or why they do something. And yeah. doing that work, I think, is invaluable because you can really go back and you can imagine what it would be like if you had made a different decision or if you had done it differently. And like, I have these moments even now where I'll think, well, I'm doing that because of this. So I need to do something different because that does, it's not, that doesn't work. That's never worked for me. Right. It's never going to work right. that, you know, that's not going to change. So I have to do something different. So yeah. I've a lot of things in my life have changed because of that, because I know yeah. that that didn't work. I got to do something different. And yeah. obviously, by no means am I perfect or do I have all this stuff figured out? But I None do feel do. better. <laughs> no, yeah. but I do feel better in general about, I guess I would say my mindset. That's my mindset mm -hmm. is, I think, maybe stronger because you take ownership of those things you can't yeah. something that i talked to dr jen about was like if the, the people that have abused you or have you know sort of maybe helped you create bad habits or whatever it may be those people probably aren't going to do this work so they're not a resource for you to go find healing typically right, right? right. there's just like it's not they're not the people that are going to help you kind of clean up the mess so the only person that can do that is you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, so you can't, I just feel like this is what affects so many people that go into a relationship and they expect another person to sort of handle their shit for them or handle their business. And that's just oh. no one else's oh, responsibility. Yeah. It's just, it's no oh, one so else's responsibility. Yeah. If I could bottle that and give it to clients, especially in, in relationship, I would because that is what we tend to do. There's this funny thing that happens. I, I remember years ago, I was at a hypnosis training and I went to a, like a breakout session, like a three hour training session for hypnosis to help people with breakups in particular. And the guy that taught it was a, a famous East Coast hypnotist, kind of a big Italian guy from Jersey, you know, with the accent and everything. He said the most profound thing. He said, most people, even in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, are still trying to approach relationships like they did when they were in high school. They, they might have matured in some ways, but this area of life called relationship can be a stuck area for a lot of people. And we tend to show up in ways that don't reflect our best nature, don't reflect who we are on our best day. But because our stuff comes up in this context, it's an opportunity for us to look at what we haven't healed yet, what we haven't changed. So relationship can definitely be one of those. It's kind of like that thing where when you visit your family during the holidays, you, you know, you're 30 and you have a master's degree and a good job and you go back home and instantly you're an 11 year old. You can't speak up for yourself, your parents or your cousins or whoever they're telling you who you are, you know, and you're like, what, the, what the hell is that? That's what these areas of life do is they show us, oh, wow, there's so much work I still have to do here. And it's 
it's a wonderful opportunity if you take it as that. It's an invitation to grow and heal and change. Most people just become frustrated by it and think that, oh, this isn't the right person. I've got to go find a better person. Never realizing it's me. It's always me. So, Jerry, I wanted to ask you a couple of fun questions because we don't often actually get to talk to men on the show. So it's usually just <laughs> Delia and I sort of rapping about, you know, whatever we're thinking at the moment or talking about the books and reflecting. And so obviously the books give us some some good advice, but we also yeah. get some pretty bad advice. So some I just kind of wanted too. to pick your brain about some of those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. One of the main things that comes up in the books all the time is that no matter what, no matter what you do, do not sleep with someone on the first date. <laughs> and I want to get your feedback on that. How do you feel sure. about that rule? Because that's that is the number one rule across the board. Do not sleep with a man on the first date. Okay, so I will say this. In the relationship that I'm now in, which I consider to be my best and happiest relationship, I did not sleep with my partner on the first date. I don't know that it's a hard and fast rule. I understand that that's common wisdom out there. Here's what I'll say. If you are wanting to create a relationship and you go right to physical intimacy, maybe question if that's what you're actually after you really after the relationship or you after the validation you think you would get from the relationship and the pleasure and you see a shortcut to having that by fucking on night one <laughs> there's no judgment uh, oops. <laughs> there's no judgment about that like you just go for it but just be honest that you know maybe maybe that's what we're really after is the validation the pleasure the fun because a relationship is going to be some work. It's going to be setting boundaries for yourself and your partner. And if you break all the boundaries on night one, you haven't set a great precedent. Yeah. I don't have a moral judgment about it. I don't actually think there's a moral element to it that's relevant. I don't, I'm all about what, whether it's useful. But I, right. until I see a study, I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going Make to Make a judgment either way. Yeah, I'm not going to subscribe to one one version or the other. But like I said, I will say my current relationship in which I'm very happy, I did not. Was that a conscious decision or did it just not happen? Like, you know, did um, you specifically say I am not going to go there or was it just, you know, because sometimes it just doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying I just go out and yeah. every person that I meet, I'm, you know, jumping on. But I, oh, it, I it has happened. <laughs> Um, of and, course, we're human beings. We're horny. What you know? That's what that's what goes yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't a conscious and decision. And I'm not coupled, so yeah. I mean, no. to use that <laughs> advice the way you want to, but <laughs> no, I mean, the, the um, it wasn't a conscious decision. I will say, I did recognize that this seemed different. I, it felt different to me, and that difference kind of made me go, hmm. Hmm. This is somebody I want to see again. So I didn't feel I was certainly very, you know, engaged. My right. physiology was engaged and I was very attracted, but I I also think I was like there's somebody this is somebody special that I want to really get to know. And yeah. uh I didn't it was weird. I didn't I was excited, but I didn't feel like I was in a rush. 
Okay. And Got it. I found that yeah. to be that that worked for me. So definitely not necessarily a hard, fast rule, but just something to think about. If you feel like yeah. this might be a person that you want to be more serious with, maybe yeah, just kind of yeah, consider be, all your options. Be intentional. Don't don't let yourself be automatic about it. Because auto- automaticity does not create healthy healthy. Doesn't <laughs> automaticity <laughs> does not create healthy relationships. And if we're being automatic about even the physical intimacy, maybe we have some work to do. Maybe. Right. Okay. I like that. What about another hard, fast rule, particularly for women, particularly for women. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is one that I lived by for years and years and years is that you never make the first move. Never, 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 (laughs) never make the first move. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is definitely one we hold for women. It's it's a sort of a cultural rule, right? Like good little girls and princesses never make the first move. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> only, only wanton sluts do that. <laughs> exactly, and exactly. I'll, I'll say for myself that I find good little princesses very tiresome, and most of my female friends are wanton sluts. And so I have a deep appreciation <laughs> for that approach. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I have, I have I'm all kinds of friends. One of your closest female friends, so I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Here is the I thing. love it. Here's what I'll say. The sad thing about that rule, I understand where it comes from. And the sad thing about it is this. The reason that that rule exists is not because there's something wrong with women. It's because there's something wrong with men. Hmm. Men of a certain generation, I think that's changing with younger men, but men of my generation in particular, generation like the the younger generation X or the older millennial generation, we were not trained or educated in how to be men that could handle powerful, fully realized women that went for what they wanted. And when what they want is you, you don't you maybe don't know how to show up for that. So we have sort of a stuckness in our cultural programming about what virtuous, you know, women should be virtuous and shouldn't make the first move. But here's the thing. In almost every circumstance, especially in an established relationship, I encourage my female clients, especially to speak up and go for what you want to be clear about that. Nothing creates more resentment and lack of satisfaction in a relationship and the inability to communicate what you want. The happiest people I know, this is sort of a, a <laughs> this is a bit of a, uh, uh, a digression, but I think it's, a, I think it'll be an entertaining and useful digression. Um, but years ago I was at a, I was at a psychosexual dysfunctions training workshop for hypnotists and the woman Dear who, God. yeah, <laughs> Talk about a niche market. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, it was in Vegas, of course. Of and, course, Vegas. Yeah. And the woman that taught it was so, so dynamic and so brilliant and open and free. And I learned so much in those three days. Not really about psychosexual dysfunctions, but about her approach to therapy with respect to sex. So she was a kink-positive sex therapist and hypnotist and she was dealing with a room full of hypnotists that were mostly what are called vanilla people me included which means non-kinky right we know what kink means right like when you hear kink what does that connote for you 
Um, For me, I think kink means, you know, you have some kind of weird fetish. You (laughs) are, you know, you're into S&M. I was talking to this guy that he was asking me, you know, if I like to be spanked or if I, you know, whatever. And I said, you mean like S&M? And he said, sure, what about the BD? (laughs) And I was like, what? And he's like, BDSM, haven't you heard of that? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't know what all that means. And of course I looked it up, but it was just so funny because, so that's what I think of what I think of kink is like, you know, but but it's doing research for this show. I'm learning a lot about what kink is and I'm like, Oh, I might have that myself. <laughs> like some of those yeah. things aren't as—they're yeah. not as taboo yeah. to me as I thought that they were. So yeah. <laughs> it's been an education. But anyway, do go on. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it was education for me too because in this workshop there were probably twenty of us hypnotists from all over the country, and the teacher asked. She's her name is Kaz Riley. She's fantastic. She has books and a great website and stuff. She's in the UK, but anyway, she asked the question, how many people in here think that kinky people have a higher incidence of trauma, sexual or otherwise, in their past? And almost every hand in the room went up, including mine. And then she said, wrong. Kinky people are no more or less likely to have experienced trauma in their past than vanilla people. That blew me away because I had this story that if you're if you're into kink or you're into some weird shit, it's because something bad happened to you and you're trying to remaster it. Right? That's that's the classical right. therapy frame for it. Completely not true. Then she asked the question that entirely shifted my understanding of this. She said, "Who has better, more satisfying sex, kinky people or vanilla people?" Raise your hand if you think it's vanilla people. And me, as a <laughs> vanilla person that has good sex, raised my hand. And most of the hands in the room went up. And she said, wrong. The research demonstrates over and over again that kinky people have better, more satisfying sex. I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, that's because they're weirdos and they have to, you know, get that particular itch scratch. No, here's why, she said. Kink is based on two things. Knowing what you want very clearly, what you're available for, number one, and consent, mutual consent. Yes, that's a huge part of it. Yes. That's a huge part of it from what I'm reading is that it's absolutely consensual. People actually have discussions surrounding sex that you just don't have when you're not, you know, when you're not talking about those kinds of, again, more right. taboo, but what I think are more intimate things. And the, th- the thing is, is that we're not, we're not required to talk about what it is we want. We're not required. We expect our partner to know. And then when they don't, we get frustrated. And what do we do? Well, an adult, a powerful person, like we think we are, would create a powerful conversation about it that didn't marginalize their partner or make them feel small or inadequate, but just opened up a dialogue. How can both of us feel good? Or how can both of us have our needs met? That's not what we do. We say nothing. We go to our friends and bitch about the person and talk about how we're not satisfied. We do all these things and continue to be the enemy of our own pleasure, our own satisfaction, our own happiness. So 
this, I know this is a huge tangent, but the point is, is that the ability to know what it is that you want and to speak up for it with clarity, either with an established partner or a potentially new partner, those are very highly correlated with satisfaction and happiness in, in relationships, in sex, dating, everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more because I think, you know, more people should practice. Talk. And that's, you know, in some of the books, like the five love languages, one of the things, one of the um, exercises is talking to your partner about sex. <laughs> yeah. Talking to them. Yeah. Not doing it, not jumping in and just assuming you're going to please them immediately, but actually having a conversation about what pleases you. Yeah. What brings you pleasure? What, you know, and I just feel like that's something that we're not taught to do something that's weird and uncomfortable, yeah, but weird. something that is, they should it's know. weird and yeah. it's scary, but it's going to make your relationship yeah. better. And that's even if you're not in a relationship, that's right. just, I've found that even if I've had sort of any kind of, you know, casual connection, if I can just talk about it, it just makes it better. It makes the person, you know, more yeah, aware. This is what makes me feel and good. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing what you want and, you know, what feels good yeah. and having those conversations before you even start intimacy. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it's hard though, because we're not trained to do that. That's where, yeah, that's so, where we have to become conscious and intentional about it. It's a new skill, but it's essential for happiness. It's astonishing when I sit down with couples in my coaching practice, people that have been married for 10, 20, 30 years, they've never talked about what it is that makes them feel good. <laughs> What do yeah. you like? I don't know. What do you like? Oh, I don't know. I guess the regular stuff. Like those are the conversations that they have. But very right. few of us really create conscious conversations around sex and other aspects of relationship. And then we continue to be dissatisfied and don't know why and think that right. it's because just, the other person should know. Yeah. I find that so crazy because you're it literally <laughs> living with another person and you yeah. don't necessarily know them. Yeah. And you it's let them just, inside you, but you so can't sad. speak to them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's just all, really that's wild. just all training. That's societal like training. And that's, you know, yeah, that's just you what we've been taught to do. Right. Yeah. Um, talking about yourself. it is, is difficult until you do it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open. Oh my so, God. That is the key to huge satisfaction in relationship. And look, you might say, Hey, I really want you to do this. And your partner might say, I'm out. I can't do it. Okay. At least you laid it out there. Now you get to decide. Do I want to be tickled with the feather coated in motor oil or is it not that important to me? But at least then you can right. be c conscious about it. Most people never even create that conversation and, and just, you know, continue to suffer in silence in an unsatisfactory relationship. And if you can speak up for what it is that you really want, you're so much better prepared to create happiness for yourself in every area of life. So we talked about a couple books. Are there's mm -hmm. there's books in our season, and I know one that you and I discussed was Calling in the One. I like that one a lot. Is it a season two book? Because there's a, you did a lot of stuff, Geo Lambert stuff in season one, and I I, I don't think his stuff is perfect, but I love it. <laughs> I really? really enjoy his stuff. Yeah. Tell me why? Because yeah, he's the, one that I hated. <laughs> So the book, I don't like all his stuff, but the one that I really love is The Unicorn Delusion. <laughs> okay. That's and, not the one we did. We did um, Why Men Don't Love Women Like You is the one that oh, we did. Oh, okay. 
Well, mm-hmm. one, one of the things I love about the unicorn delusion, and again, it's, it's not perfect. And a lot of books in the self-help space lately are intentionally provocative, you know, like unfuck yourself and all that kind of uh-huh. stuff. So there's a lot of like hyperbolic stuff in these books. That's more for the lulls than it is like really advice or whatever, but but there's some good stuff in there. And one of the, one of the things that I like about the unicorn delusion is this idea that you are this special, special little unicorn, unlike any other unicorn. And you're this amazing person and nobody else is ama- as amazing as you. And the truth is there are like, I don't know about you, but like, I know many amazing people. I know many incredible women. There are many unicorns, <laughs> right? Which means right. There's not a unicorns, ton right? of amazing single women out there, right. yeah, right. and men, and, and men, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but we're given this notion that, like, oh, you're special, you're unlike anybody else, and you deserve to be treated this way, blah, 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 blah. and none of that matters because we don't get what we deserve in relationship; we get what we demand. And that's why having the ability to communicate with clarity about what it is that you want. And also knowing what you're able to offer. Because that's the other thing I see in, in a lot of relationship coaching is like people are very focused on what it is they want. Very few people talk about what it is they have to offer. <laughs> what is it that we bring? What do I bring to relationship that is that has worth and value for a potential partner? We tend to always think about ourselves. Oh, this is what I want. I deserve this and I deserve that. And she better have this and he's got to have that. But very few of us say, you know what? Here's what I have to offer. And so that's one of the reasons I like, you know, (laughs) the unicorn delusion is it sort of breaks that spell of like, you're special and who you are means that you're going to have this amazing. No, (laughs) you have to create it. You have to demand it and you have to be, you have to take active part in creating that relationship. It's not going to land in your lap because you're amazing because there are many amazing people. He touches on that in his other book, too, about, you know, you're not special. You're not. And the quicker (laughs) you realize that and you realize that that's not what that's not what's going to guarantee you to be in a relationship is that if 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 that's the only thing you're bringing is that I'm special. I'm amazing. (laughs) I'm you know, no one cares. Like no one cares because it's more about do you treat me the way I want to be treated? Do you make me feel the way I want to feel? Um He's like, there are plenty of women that are really not special at all that are in relationships, you know, that like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. I well, actually, no relationship you know, to, a, to specialness. <laughs> yeah. To an extent, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I, I agree, yeah. but I feel like we live in this culture that teaches us that we're special and we're individual and we're autonomous creatures and we're, you know, all these things. And so it's hard to step out of that and say, you know. I'm just like everybody else. I don't have anything more to offer than any other woman has. And that, because women are already so competitive, it, which is funny because yeah. I feel like yeah. we're all so different and we're fighting the same battles, but women are very competitive and not just about men, but in, in, in the workplace and, you know, and, and, yeah. and I've been really blessed to work with some really supportive and amazing women. So I'm not painting a broad brush here, but I'm saying, a lot of women have to be competitive just to survive, you know, just to, yeah, just to get a leg up and everything. So when somebody writes a book, it tells you, you know, Hey, girlfriend, you're not special. (laughs) It don't matter. It don't matter if you've got the best titties or if you've got, you know, and that was like something that he said 
one of the things he used as an example was, <laughs> you know, if you think that just because you can suck on your own titties doesn't mean that you're special. And I was like, well, that's definitely something that sets me apart. <laughs> All these years, I thought that that's why I was going to stand yeah. out in a man's mind. <laughs> but it's apparently, titties. yeah, I can suck my own titties, yeah. but apparently it's not. Apparently that's not something that makes me special. So and thanks, Geo Lambert. I know, right? When I first read that, I was like, screw you. I am special. But then, you know. I'm special. The thing about a lot of this stuff. Taking a picture. I am special. Sorry. The thing about a lot of this stuff is it's very tempting to read a book and then you find some stuff that you disagree with. The author's style or some points that they that they make. And then you throw the whole thing out and go, this guy's nuts or this lady doesn't right. know what she's talking about. You really have to take what's useful for you and, and you have to be relentless about getting the value out of whatever teaching you encounter. And it's going to come from imperfect people. And you have to have a commitment to learning and growing that's bigger than you needing to agree with every point that somebody makes. Or And with, you know, with, with uh, the unicorn delusion, one of the things I appreciate about it is, and this is, this is me making it useful, is it's not our deservingness that delivers a relationship and sitting yeah. on our deservingness, expecting relationship to come. That only works in fairy tales and we don't live in a fairy tale. We live in the real world and you have to create it. You have to demand right. it. You have to create it. The deservingness is essential because it makes it possible, but you don't want it to mm -hmm. just be possible. You want it to be probable and then real. And that takes more right. than deservingness or specialness. You have to really get into action. So I love provocative teachings because I like mining them for the nuggets of gold. There's a lot of nonsense, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I've definitely learned to look past the stuff that I don't like to find the things that mm -hmm. make sense. And a lot of the stuff yeah. is resonating with me in more than one book. So it's like, well, these are things that obviously across the board make sense. And usually it's yeah. like, oh, well, that was what that other person Universal said that I agreed truths. with. Or, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the best, the best teachings, the best truths are, do tend to be universal. You're like, huh, yeah, I've heard this before and this makes a lot of sense. Those are the good ones. Those are the core teachings to, to base your learning on. Right. So if you yeah. were going to give one of your clients advice, your client comes to you and says, I just cannot, I can't meet anybody. I've tried. Mm -hmm. I've done all the work. Mm -hmm. I've read all the books I've done, you know, and I can't meet anybody and I need your help. What, what do you tell them? What would you say? First what is the like number one thing somebody should do yeah. to start? First, I, first I would tell them that I understand because I too have read all the books and done all mm -hmm. the workshops and the seminars and sat at the feet of all the experts and gurus. And that didn't deliver the things that I wanted either. The thing that is, the thing that is often missing, the thing that's not there in a lot of traditional approaches to this stuff is number one, there's a lot of advice in these books and there's two problems with advice. One is that people don't take it. So they don't actually take the processes on and really use them that we tend to read books, consume the information, and then use that as a way to not let it affect us. We don't want to be changed by these teachings sometimes. We want to 
think we are. <laughs> we want to read them and then use that to assure ourselves that we're doing something. But the fact is, if we're just reading yeah. the information and we're not engaging with the material and not making it work for us in our life, we're not really getting the value out. The thing that is missing and the thing that I would direct the client to is stop reading the books, stop doing the talking about it, and start doing the deep unconscious work. Start doing the unconscious stuff that you can't access by talking about it or thinking about it because all of that stuff is in the conscious. We have to do the belief change. What we find down there when we do this kind of work with somebody's unconscious is things that are there that they don't even know about. And that's by design. They're unconscious. But if you really desperately want a relationship and you can't meet somebody, what's in the way? Is it that you're afraid to create conversations? Because we can change that in one day. If you're afraid to create conversations, we can help you create those conversations in one day with deep unconscious belief work. Is it that you are possessed by anxiety and fear when you try to make yourself vulnerable for a relationship? We can heal the traumas that taught you that that's how you should show up for vulnerability. And we can do it very rapidly. So we want to identify what it is that's in the way. Advice and these systems and these 12 easy steps and these nine easy things. I'm not a big believer in those because the thing that's usually in the way for us is our baggage. It's stuck emotions, limiting beliefs, and traumas that are unresolved. So I always encourage people to look at how they can have leverage to heal the unconscious stuff. How do you do that? Will you come see somebody like me or you investigate unconscious healing modalities? So here are a few that you can look at. Emotional freedom technique. Psych K, which is one of the things I'm doing this weekend. I'm training in Psych K. Hypnotherapy. Particular types of meditation. These are things that get down to the deeper levels of the mind and help you change things that you can't change through journaling, through therapy, through many, many other approaches. And once you have the right leverage, you can solve problems like this shockingly rapidly and shockingly easily. But put down the, put down the things that you've been trying because you were so brilliant earlier when you said, I've been doing this thing for years. It hasn't worked. So what am I going to do? Keep doing it? What do we call that? We call that insanity. 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 <laughs> but, but insanity is the dominant yeah. approach. <laughs> yeah. Well, this hasn't worked. I'm going to keep doing this. <clears throat> right. We do the thing with the books or the teachings that we do with men or women. Oh, this isn't the right one. Now on to the next. Oh, that one sucks. On to the next. It's not about the teaching. It's not about the man. <laughs> it's about us. We need to change at a deep level who we are and what we believe to be possible. If you really want a relationship and you're not meeting that person, you might consciously want the relationship, but unconsciously you may not believe that it's possible. You may believe that you don't deserve it or that it's too dangerous or too painful. We got to change that stuff. And no amount of affirmations or journaling or even talk therapy is necessarily going to affect change in that area. So it requires a special kind of work, a special kind of leverage. Leverage yeah, that I specialize in. At the end of the day, it's it all always comes back to us, comes back mm -hmm. to you. You have to do the work and it's about your healing so you can show up. And right. nobody else you can do have that. to <laughs> and for years I was just really 
um, anti, oh, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else. And I thought, that, <laughs> come on, I love myself. And then the more I dug, I'm like, I don't. I don't, I don't. love myself. No. Not the way that I want somebody to love me. I might love myself right. or I might respect things about myself or I might, you know, think, oh, I'm, I'm strong or I'm this or I'm right. that. But the way that I want somebody to love me, I don't love myself that way. And I have to get right. there. And right. that's what I've been working on. And that's been, I think, the hardest, the right. hardest thing to do is to think yeah, about, that's... well, how do I want somebody yeah. else to show up for me? And I have to show up for myself like that first. Because otherwise... Yes. Because you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And in doing that and showing up for yourself in that way, you magnetically attract the person who will do that for you also. And also you show up for them in that way and, you know, or you show up for them in the ways that they ask you to or that they want. That's exactly what it's about. And, you know, the irony is so many of us are afraid to get in to be vulnerable in relationships we're afraid of re being rejected. We're afraid of being critiqued. We're afraid of being seen. We're afraid of the cruelty of, of another, a fictitious other. We are so much crueler to ourselves and our own minds <laughs> than a partner could ever be. The things that we tell ourselves routinely every day, my God, those are the cruelest things you can cook up. And you're pointing that at yourself. We, we, we all do that. So the, the irony is, is that we're so terrified of being hurt by a partner but the hurt, the wounding is already being done by ourselves. And that's what needs to change first. Right. You have to heal the wounds, you know. Yeah, so there's a oh, I just wanna I just wanted to I love this metaphor. It's super silly and, and super simple, but I love this metaphor. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you're shopping for a car, let's say you need to get a new car and you think you might want to get a Honda Accord. So you cook up notions oh i'm gonna to go to this honda dealership and go to that honda dealership i want this trim level and i want this equipment what happens you start seeing honda fucking accords everywhere you turn left there's a honda cord at the stoplight you turn right there's a honda cord next to you on the freeway there's a honda cord blocking your parking space there's a honda you see them everywhere when you start shopping for them now here's the thing there are no more Honda Accords in the world because on Tuesday you decided to buy one. But your brain, the way it works is it notices things that it's shopping for. It looks for confirmation of what's inside us. And if what's inside us is things like love hurts, I don't deserve it, it's not possible, men only hurt me, women only treat me terribly, That's if that's what we're shopping for, that's what we get. That's exactly what we get. That's the way the mind works. We draw it to us and we, we unconsciously seek out confirmation of what we're already looking for and what we already believe. Then we go, see, see, another one didn't work out this time. Just like always, never works out. It doesn't work out because that's what you're shopping for. <laughs> and you have to change what you're shopping for at an unconscious level. That's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think we get it in our head that, I want this one thing and I need this one thing. And then we don't stay open to other possibilities. And it just right. stunts. Stay playful, stunts. baby. Got to stay playful. Yeah. 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 And I've definitely want, found that in dating that like, oh, I have an idea of this kind of person that I want to be with. And since I've been kind of venturing out a little bit more, I'm like, oh, I have other 
I have other needs and, and things that are being fulfilled by people that I never thought yeah. would be somebody I'd even consider. Sometimes so, you find those by experiencing the, or like you go out and you try things on. Oh, I'm learning this about myself. Right. That's and amazing. something that uh, Dr. Jen had said too, is like, or that we had talked about before, not even on the podcast, but just don't immediately just say no. I don't, no, I don't do that. Yeah. No, I don't like yeah. that. No, I'm not into that. You don't know until you try. You literally don't know right. until you try it. Now, if you have right. a moral issue with something or if something just really makes you uncomfortable, obviously, then, you know, don't do that. But if it's something that you're really curious about, but that in your head, you're like, I would never do that. Or I would never. I'm not the type of person give yourself that permission. Be interested in that. Yeah. yeah be playful. Yeah. Try things on. If something makes you uncomfortable for a very serious reason, that's one thing. But if it makes you uncomfortable because you haven't investigated something or you're holding on to somebody else's idea of what you should be or shouldn't be, that's something to look at because it's limiting right. your flexibility. It's limiting your, your possibility. Be, be free. Have fun. Explore. Take care of yourself and be safe, but be open because that openness is the thing that is attractive to your next partner. Right. Absolutely. Right. So let me ask you this, Jerry, how do people, if, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, I mean, we have listeners all over the country. We have list, we have a listener in Canada, probably just one, wow. but it's fine. We, we have, Spotify tells us like where our listeners are. And so it like shows oh, a map great. and I imagine that we have like hordes of people in Canada that are listening to us, but it's probably just one and that's fine. How do they get it could a hold be playing of it at one bar and 30 people could be in that bar listening to the show. You know what I, mean, I wanted to ask you? Uh, we had a, we had one of our fans actually did reach out to us. She's a single mom and she's getting back in hmm. the dating scene. And I haven't answered her question yet because I haven't done as much research and I haven't known exactly what to tell her, but, she asked, because we don't really focus on single moms. We're just focused on single ladies, right. basically, you know, uh, right. cisgendered women. So we don't focus on uh, single moms, basically. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious, do you have any uh, advice or any books that we might be able to suggest for her trying to get back into the dating scene and with, with a child? I mean, that's such a specific thing and... I just can't speak to it because yeah. I don't have children. Yeah. You know, it is a unique situation, but it's not uncommon. Right. And the thing is, is that being a single mom, while it is an uncommon, it is a, it is a unique situation. The rules, the, the, the best practices are still the same. Clear communication, mm -hmm. knowing what you want. I'm not really about, I don't really give advice to clients. Like, what do I do in this situation? Because I firmly mm -hmm. believe at the deepest core of my being that every client has within them the answers they need. Every client has the resources they need to overcome any challenge, solve any problem. So I would still, I mean, this, this might sound like a, a cop out of an answer, but I would still give her the same advice. Know what it is that you want. Don't be afraid to speak up for that. Have clear, powerful conversations with partners, potential partners. You know, don't try to hide things. Don't try to conceal that you have a child or what you're really looking for. The other thing I would say is maybe find a single dad. Maybe find somebody 
assuming that she's heterosexual, you know, find somebody that has empathy with your situation that understands what it's like to be raising a child by yourself. At the very least, they'll understand where you're coming from. And the thing that you think is an impediment to somebody else is the very thing that they're dealing with too. And right from there, you're, you're starting with empathy and compassion. No, I think that's great advice. And I just, I didn't want to, I mean, I kind of felt the same way of that. I would imagine most of the stuff applies, but since I don't have children, I didn't want to be insensitive. And I think that, you know, I can imagine how children add another level to dating that I don't even have to deal with. I have cats, Mm -hmm. you know, as a, but I will say cats, (laughs) cats do make dating difficult. Men have allergies to cats. Some men hate cat. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, okay. Some I'm not going to the litter box. I mean, there's all kinds of things. That's right. That's right. I'm not going <laughs> to say that having cats is easier than having kids, but yeah. I'm going to say that it doesn't bring the same challenges. And there are definitely no books for single yeah. ladies with cats trying to date, but maybe yeah. I'll write that book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I, I think something that having worked with single parents in my practice, I will say that and this is not just true for single parents, it's true for anybody with a a central life issue. It's okay to have whatever it is that you're dealing with, but don't make that the reason that you're not going after that relationship or you're not, if you really want a relationship, there's no reason having one child or 10 children or having none or being a certain age. We tend to create these stories for ourselves. No man's going to want me because no woman's ever going to be attracted to me. Because... Yep. Yep. You got to get rid of the stories. Right. The story, yeah. you're trapped in that story. It's a trance. You're living inside of it. You think that's just the way it is. But people discover in my office and our work together, you're in a trance and don't even know it. And we can break it. And you can step into a new story that actually supports you and helps yeah. you get the thing that it is you want. So don't make that thing the reason that you don't go for it. I, I have a... Absolutely <clears throat> not. And I just want to share one one quick anecdote. I have a client who was herself a single divorced mother. And it was a very messy divorce. It was not a pleasant divorce for her or for her ex. And she was single for years. And she came to me and she said, you know, I'm single. I don't want to be, but it's because I have two kids and I'm a single mom. And I said... Hold on a second. Has any single mom ever in the history of planet Earth been able to date successfully, safely, and in a way that brought her happiness? And she said, well, I'm sure somebody has. I said, then it's possible for you too. So don't use the kid as a reason for you not to have happiness yourself. Because, you know, there's... And parents make so many sacrifices for the love of their child. But your own happiness shouldn't be that because they're learning. They're looking to you. They're they're modeling and they're learning what you do and how you create happiness and how you show up in your life. And if the thing they're learning is when things are complicated, you just stay miserable, they're going to take that into their own life. So you can create right. you can create it the way you want it to be. You may not know exactly how that is, but there's help there. There's help out there for you. There's good therapy. There's coaching. There's books. There's this podcast. There are ways to explore how to create something, even if your situation is complicated. And nothing, no amount of circumstance, baggage, children, anything should be the reason that you don't have something that you truly want. 
Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So to that point, uh, let's backtrack and revisit. So Jerry, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that so that they can come to you and the way that I did and kind of change the way they see the world, basically? How do they contact you? Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, which is quantumtransformation.coach. I offer a very particular experience for clients. I do session work, but something that I like to do is I like to help somebody get free very rapidly of limiting limiting beliefs, negative emotions, and traumas. I offer an experience, which is like an intensive two-day therapy retreat called the Quantum Breakthrough. You can learn more about it at thequantumbreakthrough.com. If you listen to the show, you check out the website and you say to yourself, I got to know more about this. If you come see me, your first session is free. We'll just sit down and we'll talk and we'll explore if the work is right for you. We'll figure out what it is that you want to achieve for yourself. And if I can help you do that, I'd be so honored to do that. My work is sacred. I love it. And I am so honored to step into these vulnerable places with clients and help them create the lives that they want. If I can't help you, I'll point you to somebody that can. But if you do decide you want to go forward with me and you mention this show, you'll get 20% off your quantum breakthrough. And that's a that's a wampin discount. What, so, what? do you yeah. hear that, land your man listeners? Twenty percent off. Twenty percent. This is our first discount offer. I love not it. Not five, not ten, not fifteen. Twenty percent. Twenty percent. sale. Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you tell me that you heard about me on this show, I'll give you twenty percent off your quantum breakthrough. So absolutely, find me on the web. Uh, How do people find you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram at the quantum coach. You can reach me there. Right. I'm just learning. And this is embarrassing, but I'm just learning to use Instagram. I have an assistant and a friend that helps me. So if I don't get back to you right away, I promise I will within the week. I just haven't quite yet learned. Instagram to, is the best for this kind really of stuff. Is. Like it, it really is. is. It is. People... Yeah are crazy over Instagram. I think it's better than Facebook for building a real audience, you know, yeah, real I people agree. that follow and engage and awesome. Oh, so I'm going to link everything in our show notes for the week, your website, all this information that we've talked about as well. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, spending your time talking with me oh my gosh. and my just kind Sincerely. of giving me your nuggets, you know, it's, of course. um, as Delia says, Carla loves nuggets, and I love your nuggets. <laughs> You're so sweet. I, I'm glad that I could uh, offer you some dipping sauce for your nuggets because <laughs> I love the show. I think it's so entertaining and so fun to, you know, explore this topic with some humor. You guys are so funny and so wise. And you've learned so much, and I just love the, the conversations that you create, and I'm so happy I could be a part of it. Thank you for saying that. It is really a rad feeling when people tell us, you know, that they're listening to us on their morning drive or there. It's just, it's, it's just such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. You guys are are hysterical and there's so like, it's not a lot of programming out there that lets you laugh while you learn and you guys do that. So yeah, it's fantastic. That's why, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way for sure. What about your podcast? Is that something that you're trying to develop more? Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, after yeah. the year I had, I, I we t- we were on hiatus right after episode one, but we're back. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're back. I, I have a podcast. <laughs> I also have a podcast called Knock Off Your Shit, 
And it's a, a humorous look at self-help, spirituality, growth, development. And you can find it on my website, quantumtransformation.coach. Okay, you great. can find a link to the show. We're about to release episode two. So, you know, we we're, we have more content coming down the pike now that my life is in a disaster. So I would okay. love if you... Well, I'll uh, be sure and I'll link that separately. From, I'll link the actual link to it. So Fantastic. Awesome. Right. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you guys for listening again this week. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and if you need to email us, please email us at landyourman at gmail.com. We will answer all of your questions as soon as we can. And that's it for this week. Next week, we will have Nathan Young in the studio. He was supposed to be here this week, but I deleted the entire recording by accident <laughs> because I am a technical genius. So Jerry stepped in and filled the shoes and Nathan will be joining me soon to re-record our entire episode. Nathan, I can precede <laughs> I... you, but never, never replace you. <laughs> That's right. He spoke very highly of you. So he was excited to, to be in your company. I look forward to that show. Um, and like I told him, <laughs> I'll tell you, you both speak for all men. So congratulations. That's right. No pressure. Uh, no pressure at all. <laughs> Thanks for joining us yet again. Bye. Bye. No, you have to say it like I say it. Bye. Oh. <clears throat> Bye. Land Your Man podcast is a subsidiary of nothing and is produced in association with no one other than Carlinelle and Delia Knight.